All right, all right. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, the coldest player in the game, Lord Iceman, and you have turned into another teaser for the Let's Talk Sports podcast. Appreciate you all taking the time to sit down with me. Today, we're going to, once again, do a little teaser for what I'm hoping is going to be an even larger podcast. Uh, But today, we're getting into... Uh, another LeBron James issue. Yes, another LeBron James issue. This will be the third one we've dived into in recent memory. Why are we dipping into this conversation? Um, it's because uh, I've been becoming a little bit more active in the sports groups uh, via social media. For those who don't know, I'm a part of about four sports groups, uh, specifically on Facebook. Uh, one that I own and operate entitled Let's Talk Sports, Wildly Biased and Utterly Confusing. So if you'd like to join, you can definitely search, look us up on Facebook and join in. Or you can click the link associated with this particular podcast. The one I am fairly active in is called Basketball Network. Now, this group is way more biased than anybody could be in my group um or any of my other personal groups in general um basketball network group is heavily leaning towards lebron james in terms of his fan base it's very very fun to watch at times but it's very diabolical um what these people uh thought processes can be in association with LeBron James. The comparisons, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that they come up with for LeBron James to whomever, whatever, whenever, it doesn't matter if it's a football player. It doesn't matter if it's a hockey player. LeBron James is the GOAT and LeBron James is going over any and everyone they compare him to in that group. They do not care who it is is it's laughable at times but it can be a minorly frustrating as well i've made a couple of online associates uh shout out to uh craig smith um fdy as well um it's cool to have uh, a few back and forths with them because they come from the aspect of respecting the sport overall versus the aspect of hey i'm a fan of this particular player um there's other guys uh, like Dylan Levy and Jonathan Rittenauer. Uh I would love to have those guys uh, come in, have a sit down, whether it be uh, via straight audio or we do a Zoom uh, live on the stream. Uh, and we just do a panel and we just kind of talk sports from time to time. Um, not necessarily debate, but I definitely like to challenge them on a few of the subjects that they have uh posted in the group because you know posting the walls walls of text uh as uh, some people uh will call it getting ice man because i do have a tendency to post a lot of information um to get my point across it gets a bit tiresome because a lot of times people just say oh well that's too long of a post and i'm not reading all of that you know blah 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 and it becomes trolling and you never get your point across etc and it just becomes a big old circle jerk or whatever the case may be um but i definitely like to get those guys onto the platform uh so we can have a, a little bit of back and forth and uh, hash out some things maybe get a better understanding of where each other 
is coming from. So this particular teaser, we're going to be speaking about the subject of a video resurfacing of the 2002-2003 uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and the headline being Cleveland Cavaliers not impressed by LeBron James. Uh, this is a news report video posted by Channel 23 local news uh, for Cleveland. Um, basically, uh, Channel 23 News is interviewing a few of the Cleveland Cavaliers players about the possibility of the organization drafting LeBron James overall if they were to acquire the number one draft pick. Well, the Cavs took advantage of a Raptors team that dressed just seven players. Cavs win, coupled with Denver's loss, left both teams tied with the worst record in the NBA. The result, now the majority of the ping pong balls will be split between both teams. Take a look at the breakdown for next month's drawing. 22.5% go to the Cavs and the Nuggets, and it's the Raptors, the Heat, and the Clippers. So with the number one pick, does that mean you automatically take LeBron James and automatically you start to get wins? All right, that's a short clip from the uh, news report. Now, the catch is going into that draft season, there were various names that came up um, that were arguably considered, you know, uh, on par, if not better. Uh, you had Josh Howard, you have uh, Brian Cook, you had DeHonte Jones, um, Luke Rittenauer, you had Nick Collison, um, you had the Kirk Hyrens of the world, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Carmelo Anthony, Darko Milicic. Now, when I say if not better, the reason why I use that terminology is because various names I just mentioned all played college at some point. Uh, as we know, Dwayne Wade played at Marquette, Josh Howard played at Wake Forest, Brian Cook played at Illinois, DeHonte Jones played in Duke, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, I apologize, uh, Chris Bosch uh, in Georgia Tech, Kurt Heinrich, Kansas, uh, Mike Sweeten came in from Georgetown. Uh, so you had players who had some type of experience, whether it be one year or multiple years in college. Now, you had other names that were a part of the draft that weren't considered top tier or upper echelon uh, options, so to speak. Um, you had Sasha uh, Pavlovich, who didn't come in from college, but he did play about 10 years or so uh, 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 in the league, and he came from playing across the East. So did Bars Diaw, uh, Travis Bow outlaw <laughs> as well um mikhail Pietris, if you all remember him he was a part of that orlando magic squad that defeated the cleveland cavaliers to make it to the nba finals to pair up against the los angeles lakers leandro barbosa uh kendrick perkins carlos delfino a host of other names that did not play in college but had experience across seas and a few in high school so to have uh, LeBron James be the number one overall seed as the high school player, um, the league was still not really positive on or about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, you did have the success of Magic Johnson, uh, the success of uh, Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett, but let's be honest here, Magic Johnson was able to come in directly and pretty much change the league uh, because the league needed that. 
By the time Kobe and KG came in, Kobe had to sit out three and a quarter years before he was even given an opportunity. Dale Harris was not giving him the rap. Kevin Garnett was considered to not be intelligent enough for college, which also led to him possibly not being intelligent enough to play in the league either. The NBA was looking to possibly prevent him from entering the league due to the fact that he wasn't posting uh, 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 positive uh, scores in regards to his uh, pre-SAT, things of that nature. So it was a stretch to think that a high school player uh, would be able to leave your franchise and lead the franchise to championships. Mind you, Magic Johnson came in 19 and didn't come in straight from high school. I apologize. He played in Michigan State, played one season in Michigan State. Uh, he just came in at the age that, you know, high school is going to come in. He broke the mold, so to speak. The Cavs might not care, but I'm sure the Nuggets are smiling today as both teams now have a chance for gold in the NBA draft. And that gold, LeBron James. But is the 18-year-old from Akron truly the savior? We have better players than him in this position already on our team, bro. Um, his potential is probably the sky's the limit for him, though. LeBron is just gonna add, add to what we need and you know, just make make things a little bit easier. And he will come in and make an immediate impact like a Karan Butler, you no know, did for the Miami Heat. I don't think you can really just bring a high school player in and really just think your team gonna really turn around like that. If he come, you know what I'm saying, he can just hop on our bandwagon. Now, the talk of the town is what those players had to say in the news interview. The players that you heard were Ricky Davis, Carlos Boozer, Smush Parker, and Darius Miles. So I wanted to add a bit of context to this overall situation and why it seems as if they were coming off as haters <clears throat> excuse me and what is often omitted from this discussion surrounding lebron james early years with the cleveland cavaliers i want to first start by saying that the cleveland cavaliers were not uh really honest about the direction that they wanted to go into uh, outside of tanking that season. Um, they told the world one thing, but they told the players they had acquired over the course of two seasons prior to this draft something totally different. So let's go back a bit. Two years prior to this, they acquired uh, Ricky Davis. Now, Ricky Davis came in from two playoff teams. He played alongside Charlotte, he played alongside Miami Heat. And when they paired him up with Wesley Persons in Cleveland, he'd shown that he could start at the shooting guard position rather than the small forward position, which is why Cleveland moved away from, uh, from Wesley Person. The catch is the very next year, they decided to tank their season for the 17 
wins in order to draft LeBron James. By this time, Ricky Davis is 23 years old. Now, Darius Miles comes in from the Los Angeles Clippers. And coming from Los Angeles, he did come into the league as a high school player. That's right. He did come into the league as a high school player. So people are going to say, hey, Iceman, but I, I thought, you know what I'm saying? The high school players weren't really getting that playing time, et cetera, which is true. And he may come off as a hater coming from his position, but I think he was coming from a position of understanding, uh, being a high school player himself coming into the league and then being expected to carry an entire franchise with experienced players on the roster, etc. Now he came from the Los Angeles Clippers uh, roster and that roster was filled with Lamar Odom, Corey Maggette, Quentin Richardson, uh, they had Earl Boykins, Kenyon, Kenyon Dooling, uh, Michael Oluwa Candy. They ended up getting Elton Brand the very next year. Darius Miles was not going to be able to fit onto that roster. Um, once they acquired uh, Jeff McGinnis, uh, Doug Overton, he was pretty much stuck like Chuck. He wasn't going to get any playing time there. Um, so he needed to find a landing spot that was going to give him an opportunity to show that he not only earned his way into the league, but he deserved to stay there. By this time, Darius Miles, 21 years old. All right. Now, Smush Parker, OK, acquired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I can't remember if he was drafted by them or not, but acquired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's his first initial team. He was 21 years old at this time. The, the Cavs also picked up uh, Dejon Wagner. Now, Dejon Wagner came in from college, averaging 21 points per game, shooting 41% from the field, and he did that on a bad night, okay? Dejon Wagner came in at 19 years old. Okay, this is before LeBron James was drafted. And of course, Carlos Boozer, who's 21 years old the year prior to LeBron being drafted. And we know what he did in Cleveland. So think about this. You have a young roster. You have Wagner, 19, Miles, 21, Ricky Davis, 23, Parker, 21, Boozer at 21. The eldest to uh, the eldest statement on the roster at the time was Bimbo Coles at 34 years old and Zadrunas Ergoskis at 27 years old. So from their position, Ricky Davis is in the spot. He's like, hey, man, you know, uh, I'm finally able to showcase that, you know, I can be a guy. I could be a, a, a tier two player and everything like that. You have Darius Miles who could arguably play the shooting guard position as well, but move to small forward because they're going to have Ricky Davis playing shooting guard. And he wants to earn his way. And he signed this deal thinking that, hey, the Cavs are going to give me this opportunity to be able to showcase my skills. Okay. Smush Parker will be coming off the bench, but they were considering moving him to the point guard position if they were going to move off of Bimbo Coles, Carlos Boozer. Now, this is the big talk. This is the, the thing that people do not mention about this particular issue. Carlos Boozer is coming in from Duke. Played alongside Chris Duhon. Played alongside uh, Mike Dunleavy, 
Jr. He played alongside uh, Jay Williams, etc. He's already exhausted his two years, ladies and gentlemen. Now the Cleveland Cavaliers want to extend him. He's interested to the point that he even accepts verbally that he's going to extend with them. So they make a couple of other moves uh, centered around retaining him and getting some big bodies for fouls. If I remember correctly, they picked up Chris Mim. Uh, they had got Tyrone uh, Taylor and they had gotten Jermaine Jones thinking that they were going to lock uh, Boozer down for another four years, maybe even five. And then this particular draft pick, if they went the right direction with this particular draft pick, this could catapult the Cleveland Cavaliers back into uh, a playoff seed. The Cavs ended the season 17-65, uh, tied with the Denver Nuggets. They did win the last game of the year versus the Toronto Raptors, and the Raptors, I think, went down to like maybe the third or fourth slot, if I remember correctly. But Boozer was being told something different in regards to the direction that they were going in. They told him that they were going to pair him up in a one-two punch with LeBron instead. LeBron James was going to be drafted to play the point guard position. I repeat, LeBron James was going to be drafted to play the point guard position. He was not supposed to be initially this guy that they were going to, hey, oh, okay, boom, he's going to he's gonna just get the ball and he's going to take everything. The offense is going to run through him, et cetera, et cetera, as the number one. No, it was supposed to be Boozer, then Ricky Davis, LeBron James running the point, and he's going to spend, you know, his first two, three seasons, you know, kind of playing around or through those guys. That's at least what was expected and what was told to the world as it got closer and closer to draft time that actually changed and don't forget there is one good thing about being at the bottom you only got one place to go and that's up Carlos Boozer was not too fond of this signing a long-term deal and then being paired up with a young kid that barely knows basketball in their assumption did not bold well did not seem as if they were going to be a playoff caliber team had they gone in this direction carlos boozer made a shady deal with the utah jazz behind the scenes after the Cavs reworked his last year and he ended up moving away from the cleveland cavaliers and this threw the roster pretty much into a tizzy. Um, John Lucas was fired and they brought in Paul Silas as the new head coach, uh, who was fairly well with uh, uh, coaching uh, younger guys and everything like that and getting them, you know, uh, uh, acclimated with the NBA style of game. The, Clav the Cavaliers also reworked their bench a lot. Uh, they acquired Tony Petit. They got J.R. Uh, Brimmer, uh, Mateen Cleaves, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Jason Campono, another shooter, uh, Jeff McGinnis as well, Ira Nubo, 
and Kevin Ollie. Now, the reason this happened, ladies and gentlemen, is because what some don't want to talk to you about is they love to tag LeBron James with this point guard Magic Johnson uh, uh, style of game. Well, there's some truth to that, but it's not completely true. LeBron James handles has never, ever been that good, great, or immaculate. So having him play the point guard position was actually a problem. When they played exhibition games preseason, um, he was getting ripped. He was dribbling balls off his legs and things of that nature. This is what forced the Cavs to go after J.R. Bremer, go after Jeff McGinnis, go after Kevin Ali, and uh, Ali, I'm sorry, in order to fill the roster. Okay. Um, they wanted to, some standalone shooters, and at this time, the league wasn't in the direction of the quote-unquote three and D players, but they did want to get up and down the court. So acquiring Mateen Cleaves, excuse me, from Michigan State, who was a speed demon, and consistently having a one-two punch whether with Carlos Boozer and any type of guard, that can get up and down the floor is the direction that they really wanted to go into. So at the start of the season, LeBron James actually moved over to the shooting guard position. What happens when he does that? Well, Dijon Wagner doesn't really get any playing time for this. Darius Miles, who's playing this small forward position or whatnot, doesn't really get much time. You know why? Because Ricky Davis is the one that they wanted to give the keys to at the shooting guard position. So all they did was move him up a position. Exactly. So that pushes Darius Miles out. LeBron James, his first season, started all 79 games. The only other person to play close to the entire season, which was 81 games, was Zadrunas Ilgoskis. Um, Ricky Davis uh, had an injury. Um, and Carlos Boozer missed about, I think, uh, six to eight games. Uh, he played about 70, 75 games uh, that year. But LeBron James pretty much took over. LeBron James led at the time uh, for the team, uh, averaging 20 points per game. Uh, Zildrunas Agaskis and Carlos Boozer both averaged about 15 points per game. And the two-man punch was out of the window. It became a running gun team. It was a one-four offense, and the ball didn't move a lot. And this became an issue. As a matter of fact, this made the points that Darius Miles and Carlos Boozer had during that interview very valid. Now, Ricky Davis is on the opposite end. Ricky Davis actually thought, well, hey, you know, he'll be a tremendous addition to what we already have going on. And Ricky Davis also later said in a different interview uh, prior to the season starting that having LeBron lead the uh, next five, aka the bench squad as the sixth man, made perfect sense because Carlos Boozer being the number one guy, you, you know, the number one guy normally doesn't sit much. They normally average 34, 35 or greater minutes uh, per game. So he would be able to still pair up with the franchise player, but also get some touches and some shine himself. Obviously, it did not pan out. 
this way. The Cleveland Cavaliers did not make the playoffs despite uh, winning 35 games that year. The very next year, they still did not make the playoffs uh, despite winning 42 games, going 42 and 40. But the roster had also drastically changed again with Carlos Boozer leaving. They went to go get a few veteran players uh, to pair alongside LeBron James and move him away from the, hey, I got to be the ball handler. I got to be uh, the start of the offense. He moved up to the small forward position and they acquired Eric Snow, Lucius Harris. And one of those names I mentioned earlier from the draft class, the same draft class that he came out of, which was Sasha Pavlovich. Losing Carlos Boozer obviously stung for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but they did something that most people didn't pay attention to, which was the fact that they went with some younger athletic bigs at the power forward position, though they weren't monster scorers like Carlos Boozer. They can get up and down the floor and play high energy basketball with LeBron James, which is what he was playing at the time. So acquiring uh, Drew Gooden, uh, Anderson Verjao, Anderson Verjao was sort of like the, the lower grade version of uh, Joaquin Noah, okay? Um, but then they went and got a fierce big body in Robert Trailer to help back up Zadronis uh, Ilgoskis in the paint. So the Cavs got fairly young again. Um, they did have three players that were 30 years old in uh, Eric Snow, Nubel, and McInnes, but they had gotten younger at other positions. And despite the fact that Drew Gooden nor Anderson Verzal were Carlos Boozer, having both of those guys being around 20, 22 years old to be able to grow alongside LeBron James and moving him up to the small forward position, it only made sense because then you could actually utilize your draft pick in Dejon Wagner and quite possibly be able to use uh, the flyer that you had on Dejon's job. You took a chance on another high school or, or a high school player prior to uh, LeBron James and Dejon's job, who's 23 years old and a big man. The Cavs should have been able to sit pretty. And this is where the teaser starts to get heated. The argument that the Cavaliers didn't do anything for LeBron James in terms of getting him help and things of that nature. Well, I am against that thought, ladies and gentlemen. Back then, there weren't many teams, if any, that had three stars. That didn't happen until after 2007, okay? When looking at this particular roster and what those players were doing coming out of college and potentially could do in the NBA, Dejon Wagner should have been a solid number two option. It did not pan out that way due to LeBron James' play style and their inability to play together. As a matter of fact, LeBron James spent his first six or seven years not being able to be paired up with a significantly solid uh point guard uh up until landing in miami the best point guard he had played alongside was eric snow but eric snow had experience playing alongside a ball dominant guard uh in Allen iverson so they figured hey this will work 
having him play alongside LeBron James. And for the most part, it did. Um, as the years uh, grew, obviously they went from 42 wins, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and they let go of Paul Silas, so actually he retired. They acquired uh, Mike Brown and they went to 50, grand, 50 wins or greater until LeBron James left the organization. Um, yes, it gets a bit heated because as the years went on, the Cleveland Cavaliers continued to acquire help to seat around LeBron James, but you have to be realistic in regards to the type of help that they could actually acquire. Free agents did not find Cleveland to be a hot free agent city. It was not a place that many players saw themselves playing nor desired to go and play. And it had nothing to do with LeBron James initially. It was just the city itself. So the Cleveland Cavaliers had to seek players who first had an interest in wanting to even play in Cleveland, especially for mid-range money. And also then the next issue, players who wanted to play alongside LeBron James. Their roster continued to get younger. They were able to acquire uh, Larry Hughes, maybe a year or two down the line. Um, they got Damon Jones. Uh, they also got Danielle Marshall. Excuse me. And some of those players became, you know, three and D guys and whatnot. But that that's a subject that we can dive into on the full podcast, because once again, this is centered around LeBron James as the franchise player and his ability to guide and lead that team. Larry Hughes, as we all know, he had promise in the league. A lot of people saw him as the next Allen Iverson, not just because of the braids, but his ability to just kind of take over games um, when when allocated to do so. Uh, what he was able to do uh, prior to coming to the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, with Washington and what he was able to do in Golden State showcased that his career took a very massive dip when coming to and signing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And believe it or not, free agents paid very close attention to this. And yes, LeBron James often got blamed for this because he's the franchise guy. The ball moves through him. The organization is building around him. Who would want to go and play alongside a guy if they're averaging 16 points or greater and then their points significantly drop and every time the team does not live up to expectations, they are the ones blamed for their shortcomings and not the leader. And this became a consistent routine throughout the first six or seven years that LeBron James played in Cleveland. And if you look at the big picture, the Cleveland Cavaliers being able to move away from a lot of contracts that they had signed prior to him landing with the team and able to still make more moves. Remember, they ended up getting Booby Gibson another year later. They end up getting Shannon Brown after that. They end up getting Damon um, Jones and Dwayne Jones and, and they landed Mo Williams soon after that. They were trying. I mean, they, they were trying, they were trying to get 
this roster as suited and booted as they could around LeBron James. They just couldn't find another star caliber player to pair with him. But this is when those basketball enthusiasts feel that LeBron James was supposed to elevate one of those players already on the roster, especially with high potential. Booby Gibson, Shannon Brown were rookies when they went to the NBA Finals and lost to the Spurs, ladies and gentlemen. Rookies. They were rookies. Yes, they were rookies. It's not much you can do with that, but that roster stayed getting potential threats. I am not saying that that Daniel Gibson was supposed to turn into uh, Tony Parker. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying the very next year when they acquired Delonte West that he was supposed to be Reggie Miller. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you had Larry Hughes who had consistently shown the league that he was a guy that was putting out 16 points or greater. He could play the shooting guard and small forward position. And the ball was taken out of his hands as the years grew. As a matter of fact, they continued to fill their roster up with more notable names and free agency from Joe Smith to Wally Zerbiak. Yes, that's right. A lot of people don't remember they acquired Wally Zerbiak. And Wally Zerbiak was one of the, the top three-point shooters in the league. They ended up getting an older version of Ben Wallace. They tried their best to get what would be considerable assets to aid a LeBron James in moving the Cleveland Cavaliers out of negative exile. Now, mind you, uh, they did go up against the Boston Celtics that year, and the Boston Celtics had a three-headed monster in Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. I get it. I really do get it. But I also think about the complaints that the Cleveland Cavaliers didn't do enough. They didn't try to do enough. All right. This has been my 35 minute teaser on this subject. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the TKN House Network on all social media platforms. Be sure to follow the Let's Talk Sports series podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, hopefully you listen on Spotify because that is our home. In the meantime, in between time, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, the coldest player in the game, and I see you when I see you. Peace.